Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing today? Come on, let's give God a big, big hand clap. Great. Great to see you. Come on, how about Celebration Kids, huh? I'm telling you, a world-class team leads our, our kids. And, that, and, and many times, you know, probably all the time, you don't see what's going on there uh, every single Sunday. But, man, those kids, they're being taught how to worship God. They're being taught the Bible. As Pastor Lisa said, Bible literacy, it's our number one uh, goal, kids growing up learning the Word. And so, once again, thank you for entrusting us uh, with your child. And uh, we're continuing in our series, I Love My Church. And what we're talking about is how we're to take ownership and have passion for the church, just like Jesus had passion for the church. Jesus in Matthew 16 said, I will build my church. Everybody say my church. Not a church, not some church, not the church. He says my church. And he wants us to have that same attitude that, hey, when, when, when God calls you to a home church, to a local church, you really engage everything that God has for you in that church. And you say, this is my church. I'm part of what Jesus is building, and this is my church. And last week, we talked about knowing God, and we've been going over some of our mission, vision, and values, but really kind of unpacking a lot of the why behind the what. And last week, we talked about knowing God. And what's the most important thing about knowing God? It's having the right concept of who God is, knowing that God is good and he loves you and he's for you. It's so, so important. And so today, we're going to talk about uh, finding freedom. Everybody say finding freedom. We're going to talk about finding freedom. And what I'm hoping to do is is kind of demystify some of the things that kind of go along when people think of, of freedom, that, you know, I need to get free and finding freedom and things like that. And I really think that God's going to speak to you and encourage you. And so once again, please help me welcome all of our locations, Orange Park, Jointon Creek. And, and we're so glad, so glad that you guys are with us and uh, really appreciate that you're here. So come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, in these next moments as we unpack your word, God, I pray, God, that we would truly uh, get a picture, God, of what freedom looks like in our lives, Lord, and that truly we would not only know God, but we would also find freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, let me just give us just a little bit of review here. Um, our mission statement, our mission, leading people to experience a God first life. How many of you feel like you know our mission statement? Come on, more. listen, our mission statement is so simple. If you can't remember the whole sentence, just remember God first. Everybody say God first. How, how simple is that? It's God first. And that's just a way that we say really every church should have the, uh, the, the same mission. And that's out of Matthew 28, go and make disciples. It's just that every church uh, or, or different churches might have a different way of saying that. They definitely have a different way of implementing it, which I think is, makes a huge, huge difference. But if you can't remember anything else, just remember God first. We lead people to experience a God first life. But here's the, the a, a lot of churches, organizations, yeah, they've got a great mission statement and they even put it on, you know, banners and on the wall and all that stuff. But the real question is, your vision or how you implement that mission. In other words, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we lead people 
to experience a God-first life. Well, that leads us to our vision. And it's important to remember, look, that our vision is for people or for you, okay? So if, if you ask me what's our vision, it, the, our vision starts with you. Our mission starts with God. Our vision starts with you. Our vision connects God to you, okay? So our vision is for you, and this is right out of Ephesians chapter 1. We read that last week. It's to know God. Everybody say, know God. Find freedom. Say, find freedom. Say, discover your purpose. And make a difference. Say, make a difference. Now, I want to say this. Look, this is God's vision for your life. We, this is straight out of the word of God. In other words, yes, it's celebration's vision, but I want to be real clear. This is, this is God's vision for you. God is very clear that he wants you to know him. Am I right? God's very clear throughout scripture. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to walk in freedom and fullness and be free from your past. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit because people don't understand. Look, look, your tomorrows will not open until you settle your yesterdays. So, so important. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to discover your purpose. You're uniquely and wonderfully made. He's got a call on your life. He wants you to discover your purpose. And then, of course, he wants you to make a difference. He wants you to hear, when you stand before him, he wants you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. He wants you to have heavenly rewards and make an eternal difference. And so this is our vision. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. That is our vision for you. If, you, if someone would say, Stovall, what do you want, you know, someone that goes to celebration, that, that disciple, that follower of Jesus, kind of, what, what do you want their lives to look like? What should they be doing? They should be knowing God. It starts with salvation and then it never ends. You never arrive. God is infinite. He's eternal. The more you know God, the more you want to know him. The more you know God, the more you realize you, that you don't, you, there's so many things that you don't know about him. It's a relationship. I, I want a, a disciple at celebration should look like a person that's knowing God, finding freedom, discovering their purpose, and making a difference. And then we also touched on our culture last week, and I wanted to well, well, okay, if you'd ask, okay, what are the mechanisms? Okay, these four main things. Know God, we do that in weekend services. There's other things too, Devo. Finding freedom, small groups, discover your pur purpose, growth track, class twos today. Just jump right in. It doesn't matter if you miss class one and make a difference. It's being part of, of, of serving, being part of a serve team. Here's our culture, or our uh, culture, our values real quick, okay? So when you say, Stovall, what, what are values? What does that mean? Okay, so... If we're knowing God, finding freedom, discovering our purpose, and making a difference, God is first in our lives. Here's what this is. Watch this. God wants to put a presence around you, an atmosphere around you, an environment around you. He, you have authority as a believer, and as we come together as a church, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's hopefully this is what you will feel today by being at celebration. How many of you know Jesus had an atmosphere? In other words, kids like coming to Jesus. There was something about Jesus that kids liked being in his presence. There was something about Jesus that sinners felt comfortable in his presence. There was something about Jesus 
that made even the people that religion pushed out, they, they, the, those, the Bible calls them notorious sinners, those people would invite Jesus to their houses, invite Jesus to their parties. So there was something, an intangible about Jesus that communicated the gospel and the grace and love of God. Are you following me? Okay, so here's what I hope you see and feel today while you're at celebration, and I hope this is in your home. I hope this is where you work. I hope that this carry, you carry this with you. Look, we're all about Jesus. I hope you feel that today. We are welcoming, not just accepting, we're welcoming. There's, there's a, a redemptive hospitality. We, 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 we're, we really are. Will you see it on those sides? We really are so glad you're here. You know what? God's glad you're here. We're welcoming. We're authentic. We, we just don't do fake well. We don't do religion well. We, do, we just, if you're looking for that, this is not the church for you. You won't last here. There's just too many messed up people, including me. Okay, so... So, so we're, we're authentic. Look, we're diverse. We're very intentional about our diversity. I talked to, you can look around our church. We talked about Jesus and race uh, a, a few weeks ago. Okay, we are intentional. I hope you see some of that intentionality uh, today. And while we did, look, we're faith-filled. We talked about that last week, right? Come on, how many of you took notes? How many of you remember? Does anybody listen to my, my, what I'm saying up here? Another word for faith-filled is what? Biblically who said that? Who said that? Optimistic. Thank you. The only one. The, uh, thank you for taking notes. Would you stand up and show everyone? Look, let me, look, let me see that notebook. Let me see that. Thank you. Now, what are all these doodle pictures on here? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, get one of these. Take notes. Do something. Write something down. Thank you so much. Give her a hand, everybody. Thank you for, thank you for being a note taker. Being biblically optimistic. We're optimistic about life. Why? Because of who God is, what God says, and what he's done. We are generous and we are others focused. Okay, so now what I want to kind of shift to is I want to talk about what freedom looks like in your life. Let's read a couple of scriptures here, okay? Look at this. This is out of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. It says, two people are better off than one. Think about that. Two people are better off than one. And this is, goes back to Genesis when God tells Adam, it is not good. <laughs> it's not good for you to be by yourself. You know, parents, like when you leave a child in the house, you're like, man, this is going to end bad. If I... He's not just talking about marriage. But two people are better off than one. Right, McDuffie? That's why, see, when we talk about ministering God's word from the pulpit, McDuffie and I are a team because two are better than one. Now, even though he's tried to leave me many times, this is the scripture I quote to him right here. And I tell him he's a Christian and he has to obey the Bible. And uh, he comes back. Look at this. Two people, <laughs> two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. 
if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is what? In real trouble. Now listen, the Bible's not talking about if you walk outside here and, and trip and fall down. They're talking about spiritually falling. What they're saying is God has designed you. If you're going to walk in a degree of freedom, you can't do it alone. If you're trying to walk with him and live in freedom all by yourself, listen, you're going to end up in real trouble because that's not how God designed this thing. Okay? It says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. I love this. But two can stand back to back and what? Conqueror. What does the Bible say? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. But here's the real truth. You can't be a conqueror by yourself. You're only a conqueror when, you're, when you have a few people in your life where you can stand back to back and help each other out so that you can conquer or overcome temptation, the attacks of the enemy, your past that's trying to hold you back. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? We, you you, you got to have the right people in your life. It says three or even better, and a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. A lot of people quote that scripture, three, four, three, a three-fold cord is not easily broken. It's talking about relationships. It's talking about relationships. Okay, look at this one. Here's what Jesus said. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many of you want to be honest and, and you look at a scripture like that, you're like, wow, anything I loose on, on, on earth will be, you know, loosed from heaven and, you know, I can, I can get things out of my life and bring things into my life and, and it says whatever. How many of you want to be honest and just say, that scripture's not working for me too well right now? Isn't that one of those scriptures? You see a scripture right there? Jesus basically saying anything you want out of your life can get out of your life. Anything you want in your life can get into your life. How many of you would be honest and there's some things that you want into your life that aren't in yet and there's things you want out of your life that aren't out yet? Anybody ready to be honest? That's because so many people quote this scripture out of context. Let's take the context. Again, I say to you what? That if what? Two, two are better than one. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where what? Two or three? What did Ecclesiastes say? A threefold cord. I mean, two, three. Look, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, let me ask you a question, okay? How many of, uh, when, when you're by yourself with Jesus, is God with you? Of course he is. When you're by yourself, God, I mean, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. God's with you when you're alone. Let me ask you this. When God's here with, with thousands of people in all of our locations, is, is God with us here? But do you see what Jesus is saying here about getting things in, getting things out, walking in freedom, conquering? Jesus doesn't say, uh, where hundreds and thousands are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. He's bringing a context 
about the power of these close relationships. What we use in the churches, we call this small groups. It's a group of friends that has decided God is going to be first in my life and we are going to bring God into our relationship so that we can help one another and pray, get the things out of our life that need to get out of our life, get the things in our life that need to get in our life so that we can get back to back, so that we can be more than conquerors, so that we, we can really walk in the freedom that God has for us. That's what Jesus is talking about. So if you, if you want to see that kind of power in your life, you have to be in some type of a small group. Now, let me demystify that thing. I'm just talking about a, a group of friends. Some of you, like you kind of already have your group of friends. You kind of already have people that you go hang out with, meet with. You, you, can, you ought to just turn that into a small group. Bring some intentionality with it. Take notes. Write down a couple of scriptures, and then next time y'all meet, you say, hey, look, let's, let, let's here, here's what Pastor said last week. I want to I talk about this. Let's talk, talk this out. And you can go to class two um, right after uh, the service here in any of our locations. You can go to class two and just t tell them, say, man, I want to I turn the group that I already have into a small group because I really want to see the power of God come into my life and find freedom, Okay. Look, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So see, this is why McDuffie keeps coming back because he's got so much sin to confess. <laughs> confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Look, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, now watch this. When we confess our sins to God, we're forgiven, right? In fact, we're really forgiven from an eternal perspective as soon as we receive Jesus. All of our past, present, and future sins are forgiven. However, when we do something, when there's a rift there relationally, we need to confess those things. So this, I want you to see here. It doesn't say confess your sins to each other so that you can be forgiven. Forgiveness comes from God. It says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. So see, there's a component of confession, of authenticity, one of our values, whereby God has designed for you to have a few people, guess what? That when you mess up or you just go through a difficult time, you gotta have somebody you can talk to. You have to. And it's not Facebook, and it's not Twitter, and it's not Instagram. You ever seen somebody tweet or Facebook or Instagram something? I mean, just out of nowhere, they were like, well, people that do this, so they blah, 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 blah. What happened to you? You need to talk to somebody before you start tweeting and spewing all that stuff out. Am I helping anybody in here? Here's what. Listen, you just have to have some people that you can, you can talk to. Okay, I'm not talking about confessing all your deepest, darkest, whatever. But there are some things you just need to keep between you and God, all right? But I'm talking about... I'm talking about something's happened in your life. You've messed up or it's just something that... that 
you're struggling with, you got to have people that you can talk to. You know, I have good friends, presbyters in our church that I talk to. Do you know I have two guys on staff? We hold each other, like, we, we talk to each other about stuff. We hold each other accountable. I mean, really accountable about stuff. And if we mess up, you just have to have somebody you can talk to. That's, that's all I'm saying. You can't keep that stuff inside. And so here's, here's how I've done it my whole life, okay? If I mess up or something happens, which by the way, Jeff, I need to confess to you, the reason that your car wouldn't start the other day is I smashed your engine, but I'm glad we're clear on that. I feel better. But uh, if I get forgiveness from God and, and then it's kind of still there, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't kind of shake it. Many times I take that as a leading of the Holy Spirit that, you know what, I, I think I might talk to someone about this, okay? And uh, that's how I'll do it. And usually when I bring that up, man, it's just like, oh, it's healing. It's off my chest. Confession is good for the soul. So God has designed us. You have to have people. You know, I mean, it's, it's the same. And let me demystify some stuff. It's, l listen, like there's this, there's this uh, idea, you know, like, oh, my gosh, you go to counseling? Oh, man, that guy must be messed up. Did you hear that? He goes to counseling. How many of you take your car for maintenance, and the purpose of that is so that your car doesn't blow up? Or break down. Everybody needs a counselor. Everybody needs uh, uh, someone that they can talk to. I have a counselor personally. I, got, I mean, I, I, there has to be things that it's just me, him, and God. I got to process stuff. You know, Carrie and I go to marriage counseling. I have all my kids. Just go, go talk to someone. Every, the Holy Spirit's a counselor. Where do we get this idea that, you know, ooh, counseling, they must be messed up. You see, we, we, do we all need people that we can process things in our lives with, things that have happened in the past, things that are happening now, family issues, whatever like that? That is so healthy. And you know who's got this down really good are the AA groups. They do, man. That's why AA works. It's awesome. Now, you got to accept Jesus or you'll be a dry drunk, but it'll even work to keep you off alcohol just because of the concept of the relationships. What is AA, the 12th? You know, you surrender to a higher power. You, confess, you, you make things right with people you need to uh, get right with. And then they, 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 when they have their group, their small group, and Jeff stands up and says, my name is Jeff, and I'm, a, I'm sorry, Jeff, I didn't. <laughs> I'm picking on Jeff today. Jeff, I'll stop. I'll stop. I think half of our church is in AA. But anyway. So we, we kind of know who's all there anyway. But you know why it works? It's because, it's because of that relationship dynamic. And they talk about things. They say, you know what? This person in my family who did this stuff back to me, man, they came, they called me the other day, and it just, man, it made me mad, made me want to go out and do stuff or whatever. And what are they doing? They're, then someone will say, man, you know what? That happened to me a couple of weeks ago. What are they doing? They're, they're overcoming 
They're bringing things into their life that are good. They're getting things out of their life that are bad. Here's the truth. You might not be an AA, but you know what we're all in? SA. Sinners Anonymous. Except it's not even anonymous. It's SP. Sinners Public. Uh, something like that. Do you see what I'm saying? Go to the next thing. Can you go to the next thing up there? Look, everybody, everybody say everybody. Everybody needs freedom because everybody has sin. We all have sin. We all have stuff. Even if you're not like committing acts of sin, the Bible is very clear. All of us have iniquity. You know what iniquity is? Iniquity, think of this. Iniquity is the sinful residue. The patterns, the wrong filters, the bad behavior, all of those kind of, these patterns, these filters that are just ingrained in you because they were imparted into your psyche and uh, everything like that back when you used to live a life far from God, from your sin, from your experiences, from your family, all that kind of stuff. So all of us need freedom. All of us need to take steps because everyone has sin. Go to the next one. Look, freedom involves both deliverance and discipleship. Okay, listen, deliverance and discipleship. Once again, so many people in the body of Christ, when they think of freedom, it's like, man, man, this person needs freedom. This person needs to get free. So let's get them in a room. Let's sit them in a chair. Let's, let's get, some, get some prayer people in here. And let's walk around them and let's pray and let's pray and let's pray. Give them a notebook. Have them write down everything wrong that they've ever done. Tell us why their mommy didn't love them. Tell them why this and that. There might be a place for all that, but I'm telling you, freedom is not that complicated. And what freedom involves is, is deliverance and discipleship. What's deliverance? Deliverance is is is. You got a, a degree of deliverance when you got saved. You know, it's worship. When we have worship every morning, that's kind of de- designed as a little mini deliverance. You encounter God through his presence. Come on, and God lifts stuff off of you. Am I right? You get your mind off your problems. You get your mind on God. We have encounter nights. We had prayer week this week. Some people got delivered. It was like an encounter with God, and they got set free. But I want you to remember this. Watch. Deliverance is how God puts freedom in you. It's discipleship with how you get that freedom working out of you and around you. What does the Bible say in Hebrews? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works what? In you, both to do and to will according to his good pleasure. And then the next thing is this. There can be no discipleship without relationship. You have to have relationships. You know, one of the knocks on Celebration Church, uh, used to be, I would, I would hear guys say this, yeah, what well, celebration, yeah, they get a whole bunch of people saved and all that, but they don't disciple anybody. Not discipling anybody. So one time I was talking to this guy, one of these guys, and I was like, okay, what, what do you do for discipleship? It's like, we got a 12-week class. We put him in our discipleship class for 12 weeks. I guess maybe he was from New York because I'm talking with an accent like this, but he wasn't. (laughs) 
So it's like, yeah, we, got, we, we have this 12-week discipleship class, man. We teach them, teach them justification and sanctification and transformation and illumination and <laughs> all these kind of things. After 12 weeks, man, we got them grounded. We got them 12 weeks to graduate from our, 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 our school of discipleship. Well, let me get this right. So someone can come in your church, receive Jesus, Go to a class for 12 weeks and become an instant disciple, and they're done? They're discipled now? It took the disciples walking with Jesus three years, and they were still jacked up. So don't bring your instant disciple theology up in here. Because you know where we get our discipleship? The Bible. And I'll tell you this, you never arrive. You're always a disciple. You're always following Jesus. You're always taking next steps. Even Jesus, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Deliverance, Lazarus is raised from the dead. Here's deliverance. But as soon as Lazarus comes out, you know what Jesus says to the people around him? All right, y'all unwrap him. So he can be free. See, freedom involves deliverance. Only Jesus can raise him from the dead. But now what Jesus is saying is, look, if Lazarus is going to walk, have a sustainable walk in his newfound freedom, he's going to have to have people in his life that keep the wraps off of him. I'm telling you, when you get in a small group, it's designed for y'all to keep the wraps off of one another, not get bound up again so you can keep walking in the resurrection life of Jesus. Think about, like the disciples. I mean, this is so clear in the Bible, okay? Think about this. So Jesus would be preaching to crowds, thousands, thousands, thousands of crowds. Think about this. So Jesus preaching to all these huge crowds, right? And I mean, the disciples, they would have to kind of be in the front row, right? right? Like nodding, acting like they knew what Jesus was talking about, like my staff is supposed to do, but they don't even nod anymore. <laughs> they would sit in the, the, they had to be in the front row, you know, nodding, acting like they, you know, yeah, 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 it's good, Jesus. Yeah, we're with him. Yeah, yeah. And then how many times have we seen in the New Testament, Jesus would finish preaching to the crowds, and then the disciples would, would get together and would be like, what in the world was he talking about? What? What? He's talking about seeds and tares and what, what is he talking about? Does he want us to be farmers again? What is he doing? And what would they do? Watch, watch, watch. They would take what was spoken in the big room, what was put in them in the big room, and they would work it out of them in the small room. They would take what was taught, and then they'd get together. And yeah, Jesus would have to intervene a lot of times. But they would get together in that small group, and they would say, okay, what did you mean by this, and what did you mean by that? And they would ask questions, and what about this, and, and what about that? And what, what, watch this. 
what was conceptual in the big room became reality in the small room. What was inspiration in the big room became impartation in the small room. It takes deliverance and discipleship, and you cannot, there can be no discipleship without relationship. All right, I'm closing. Do y'all believe me? <sighs> At least I'm authentic, all right? So, I am, so here's what, real quick, we're demystifying, okay? So you're thinking, okay, Stovall, ne okay, next week is our small groups expo. So you can sign up for a small group or you just go to uh, the growth track class today if you feel like, you know what, I got this group of friends we meet for coffee. I just kind of want to add this, this small group component to it. Well, we can help you do that. Here's what I want to say. What does a small group look like? In other words, you show up to a small group. Here's what it should look like. Here's what goes on in small groups. Look, what do we do in small groups? First of all, we experience community. That's what I'm talking about. What we, we work out what's been put in us by God and what we're experiencing in that current stage of life with other people. We just talk. We pray for one another. We go over scripture. And then like, you know, there's, there's all kind of different groups from athletic groups where they just take 10 minutes before whatever workout or whatever they're doing. And then there's more in-depth groups and they even meet around classes. There's freedom Groups, groups actually called freedom. In fact, if you want to get in a freedom group, you need to go to the uh, growth track class today. Go right to that class too, and we can get you uh, in a freedom group. They're amazing groups. Okay, so we experience community, have those positive relationships. We also settle our yesterdays. So I'm talking about it's in those groups. Do you know I, how many of us are being held back from our tomorrow because we really haven't settled our yesterdays. I'm talking about really forgiving people or really letting that thing go and giving it to God. It's not easy. Really, really, really putting the past behind you and closing the doors on your yesterdays. Listen, if you will settle your yesterdays, I'm telling you, your tomorrows will be wide open for God to do amazing things in your life. And that's what we help you do. It's what, it's what happens in there. And then the other thing is we take next steps. Now let me talk about disciple. next step. What is the next step? In every small group, we, we, we get the people in the group to come up with what is their next step for spiritual growth and being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. So some people, maybe, maybe they don't even have a real relationship with Jesus. So they're Obviously, first step would be what? Surrendering their life to Jesus. Some people, their next step might be getting water baptized. Some people, their next step might be forgiving someone. They've been struggling with, with forgiveness. Some people, their next step might be doing a daily devotion. Some people's next step is, you know, I just hadn't been faithful to church. Some people's next step is obeying something that God's been dealing with them about for a long time. Some people's next step is they know that they and their spouse need to get help with, with their marriage. Some people's next step is they need to go to the growth track. Some people's next step is they need to get on a serving team. Here's your next step. You know who that's between? That's between you and God. But once you make that connection with God, 
then the, the positive people in your life, once you say, this is what I believe my next step is and I want to do it, then we're all going to take our next steps together in the semester, even though we might be di- the, the steps might look different. Now, now, think about this. What if every single person in celebration, just right here in, in Florida, everyone that, that attends our church, which is 20-something thousand, well, that's who calls it. Our actual weekend attendance is like 12,000 on a good weekend. What if 12,000 people every single semester took one extra step towards knowing God, finding freedom, and discovering their purpose and make a difference? Do you know what that would do for the kingdom of God and for the advancement of the gospel? And then what if everyone took a next step over a course of years? Listen, that's discipleship. It's steps. Let me show you this. Now I'm closing. The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights what? In every detail of their lives. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Watch this. Here's what that means. If you're not willing to take steps, then you're not going to be able to be directed by the Lord. God delights in every single detail of your life. But for you to experience that joy, that blessing, that delightfulness of God that he has in your life, you have to be willing to take steps. It's the steps of the righteous that are ordered of the Lord, not the intentions. Too many people read that scripture right, the intentions of the righteous. No, we all have good intentions. God wants you to take steps. He says, you take steps and I'll begin to bring direction in your life and you will begin to experience the delightfulness that I have towards you. Come on, are you ready to take your next step? Are you ready to take your next step? Let me pray for you right now. Let me pray for you. Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I just come. We all come before you, Jesus, as your church, Lord, and you, you love your church. And God, we know that it's your vision for us to know you and to find freedom. And so, God, I just pray right now that everyone at all of our locations, God, Lord, speak to us what is our next step. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you this. Please, please try not to leave. This is so important. This is like a sacred moment for some people. Here's what I want to ask first. If your next step is you need to surrender your life to Jesus, you're like, you know, Stovall, and coming to church, or maybe you, you, you know, you were walking with God for a while, but you know you've been far from God. You need a fresh start with God. God's not really first. You, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. If that's your next step, I want you to raise your hand right now, wherever you are. I want you to raise it high. It's not for me. It's for God. No one's looking around. See, hand, 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 hand. Yes, 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 yes. Raise those hands high. Yes, I see that. I see those hands. Yes, yes, yes. Father, you see these hands. As you raise your hand, you're committing to that next step. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. How many of you would say this? You say, Stovall, my next step is being water baptized. Raise your hand right now. You know you need to be water baptized. Many hands going up. Put them down. How many of you would say this? You say, Stovall, I really need to forgive someone. And I'm going to come, and God, I'm going to commit to you that I am going to 
it's going to happen this semester. I mean, I'm really going to settle this past issue, this forgiveness issue, this hurt issue, all those kinds of issues. If you feel like that's your next step because your yesterdays aren't settled, but you're going to make sure they're settled this semester by getting in a group and settling these things, I want you to raise your hand right now, wherever you are. Yes, 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 yes. So many next steps. You can put them down. How many of you would say this? You'd say, so my next step is the growth track. I need to get in that growth track so I can get in line with God's purpose for my life and start that process. Even going to class two today, right right after this service or just the, the next time you can jump in the growth track. If that's you, would you just slip up a hand right now wherever you are? Hands up all over the place. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. And let's just all repeat this prayer. So many hands went up for so, di so many different things. Let's all just repeat this prayer as a declaration of faith. If you raised your hand, just please mean this with all your heart. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And I thank you for forgiving me for all of my sins. Jesus, I follow you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for eternal life. And God, I know you. And Lord, I'm going to find freedom. I'm going to discover my purpose. I'm going to make a difference. And God, I take my next step. I take my next step this semester right now, Lord. I take that next step. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be discipled by you, Jesus. And I thank you that the direction and blessing is going to come into my life as I take those next steps in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.